0: Hey, GBLers, welcome to Get Busy Living, a podcast that brings inspiring people together to discover what ignites them to be bigger than themselves. I'm your host, Ann O'Neill, and today I'm joined by one of the most decorated leaders in the technology industry, William A. Adams. He is a software engineering trailblazer, an award-winning diversity, equity, and inclusion innovator, and a multi-endeavor philanthropist. William is one of the first black entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley, where he founded his company, Adamation, and created mission-critical applications for one of Steve Jobs' computer companies called Next. He is even featured in the Computer History Museum in Mountain View, California, where his contributions to the tech field are in their permanent archive. Now William is at Microsoft, where he has built his career for over 20 years and is currently the technical advisor to the CTO the Chief Technology Officer. In this episode, you will hear how William's career transformed from being code and tech-focused to amplifying empathy while emphasizing diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. William is a charismatic and visionary leader. Enjoy our conversation as he invites you to look at the world through his lens, where each perspective matters and elevates success and opportunities for everyone. All right. Here we go. William, welcome to the Get Busy Living podcast. Yay, let's get busy. Let's get busy living. Well, I originally came across you and the work you did creating the diversity hiring program called Leap for Microsoft. Mm -hmm. But as I continue to learn more about you, Wow. I cannot believe your dynamic ways of thinking and seeing the world. So let's go back to the beginning. Where did you come up with this optimistic mindset? Where did it come from and continue to grow for you?
1: Well, I suppose to go all the way back. I was born <laughs> a poor black child in Placenta, California. I think there's a it's an evolution of things. So I've been in tech, you know, my whole adult life. I'm 57. I've been doing technology stuff professionally for 35 plus years. And of course, that whole time, I am a Black man. And that means that pretty much for that whole time, I've been an only, right? I mean, it's a very Mm. common story. And that was, uh, I had my own business. And then I joined Microsoft in 1998. And I was just like any other tech, person is like, deliver the code, deliver the code, deliver the code. And you're just running on the the treadmill, right? Deliver the code. (laughs) And at some point when I was about 40-ish, I just had a a sit down, I would say, because I was about to go off to India and to live mm. uh, for a few years to teach our Indian engineers. This is all for Microsoft, how to become better engineers, you know. Uh-huh. So I, I sat down on a beach in Hawaii and just contemplated, you know, midlife crisis and why am I really <laughs> here? You know, all these things that mm-hmm. you do when you're when you're midlife crisising. And then I went off to India.
0: And moving to India.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm in India. And that was a a revelation in cultures and all sorts of things. Uh, It was quite an awakening. And I came back. And this is all preamble (laughs) to leap. And I, I did various engineering things after that. And at some point, I just, I don't know if it was a wake up or it was a, huh, I can deliver some more software, but what else? Mm -hmm. And I just went and asked one of our VPs, like, what other high um, impact business things do you have? And he said, well, you know, there's this diversity thing. (laughs) And for him, I'm sure, because I've talked to him about it subsequent years, is kind of a throw off it's like, yeah, diversity thing, but he didn't, he wasn't thinking like, we're going to transform, you know, the way we do diverse hiring and all that. It was like, why don't you work with this HR person and, you know, go figure that out. Oh, uh-huh. that was the genesis of it. It was basically one of our VPs who said, maybe you should look into this. And at the point that I was at in my life right then and there in that moment, I said, okay, you know, initially thinking, oh, I'll just tackle it like an engineering problem. You uh, okay. Know. And the problem, the challenge was essentially, hey, you know, women and underrepresented minorities are not plentiful in tech, Mm -hmm. particularly in core engineering roles. Mm. Uh, You'll find a lot of us in marketing, sales, support, test, stuff like that. And I said, well, let's tackle core engineering because that's the bread and butter of a lot of companies. And if you can get there, then you can spread out to other things, right? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So that was the that was the beginning of it, and the methodology. Like, okay, well, everyone's had this thought. What are you going to do different? Mm. And the difference was to say, well, the normal way that we pursue getting anybody is we go to the top fifteen schools in the country, and we get what we get, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, predominantly white male, and that's that's why the industry is the way it is, <laughs> right? Right. Everyone goes for the same thing. <laughs> So I thought, all right, it's true that you are not going to find more women and minorities at those places because you got what you already got out of them. You can't Mm. get more blood from that stone. So where are they? Right. Right. (laughs) And the answer was, well, they're in coding academies and Mm. they're coming from different walks of life. You have women who were moms who have CS degrees, who were in tech. Mm -hmm to raise the family and they're out oh. and there's just no way back, right? Mm-hmm. You have people who are biotech engineers working in a lab. They've got a STEM degree, but they've gone through learning coding through a coding academy. They just decided, I'm going to become a coder, <laughs> you know? And you just got all sorts of people who are switching careers and they're all going through coding academies. So we tapped the coding academies.
0: Oh, all yes. right, well,
1: but the gap here is that we typically get people through a college interns. Mm -hmm. Well, if you were something else and then you're going through a coding academy, there's no connection there, Mm -hmm. right? There's no internship and we don't have professional internships. Uh, So Leap filled that gap and basically created a pipe between all that talent that was out there, but really had no way in.
0: Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. So that
1: that was the genesis of it is to say, all right, we're going to create these cohorts. We're going to have these people come in. They're going to act like interns, essentially. The teams get to check them out. They get to check us out. And at the end of 16 weeks, we get to say, hey, we want to offer you a job. And they get to say yes or no. Right?
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
1: Very long story, but that's how LEAP came about.
0: Oh, wow. And it, and you said it originated in almost a midlife crisis for you, working in yeah. India for three years. Yeah. And then was there something particular at that point that transformed your way of thinking, you know, for, you know, living in a completely different culture for those yeah. three years? Well, the, I think it was a combination
1: of things. One was I, I went into this group called Engineering Excellence because at the time I wanted to learn how to teach hmm because I just thought well when I retire, if I ever retire, <laughs> I'm going to be a teacher I'm always a teacher mm-hmm. right So I want to get better at teaching. What better way to get better as a teacher than to teach adults in high tech right? Oh, yes so that's what I was doing in India was teaching and that is that's a certain transformation because it's quite different from delivering code mm. right. I mean, it's a common phrase for people to say, those who can't teach, you know, it's like, <laughs> really, really?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Don't you think it's the people who are the best are teachers? <laughs> definitely.
0: Absolutely. Even in my life, definitely. The teachers are the ones that show you the way and open right. up
1: doors for you, of course. Right. So teaching was what I got. The other thing I got from my India experience was compassion and empathy, mm, Wow, which is perhaps surprising because it's like, Oh, I'm an engineer. You know, we don't, we, we're not all touchy feely. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, big secret uh, <laughs> uh, software engineers aren't always the most uh, high EQ people. Right.
0: <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm.
1: So I think I evolved my empathy. You know, I think I was already empathetic, but it, it emerged more. hmm Because when you live in a place like India, you see so many disparities, of wealth and health and all sorts of things. Yeah. And you feel compassion, if you feel.
0: (laughs) Right, right.
1: So I think that was awakened. And then, of course, the program I created in India was called LEAP. That was the origins of the word LEAP. Mm -hmm. And it was to accelerate the engineer's entree into the engineering groups, right? Let's take three months instead of nine months. So that was the origins. And then when I finally did come back to the U.S., it was, let's see, 2015 is when we started the leap here. And I Mm. left India in 2009. So six more years before I actually did the leap. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, that's what I think I learned in India was just, it was more of this awakening of compassion and empathy, but I was still on the treadmill, deliver the code, deliver the code, deliver the code.
0: Right. Yes, it's like you're constantly learning like a whole new world even emerged for you of of how to operate as a leader, you know, and then was able to create this amazing program, the hiring of the diversity program of, of Leap. And one of the things I really liked on I watched the YouTube video from Microsoft of Leap was that... You're quoted saying diversity is more than just your DNA is it about the diversity of your experience. So I'd love for you to expand on that because that was like a home run hitting for me about what it looks like to be in the workforce, a team, a community, a family, everybody is involved with their own perspective. So share a little bit about that, what that looks like.
1: What I try to emphasize most is inclusion. Because diversity is a a sub-aspect of inclusion, in my mind. The key thing in why inclusion, what is that? And it's just in the context of technology, it's like, well, you realize you're creating products for as broad a set of people as possible, right? Mm. That's how you're going to make money. (laughs) It's total addressable market, right? Any business person knows that. Mm -hmm. So when you look at TAM, (laughs) you know, in the common jargon, you say, well, how are you going to get the total, the biggest total addressable market. Well, it's the world. Right. right? <laughs> yes. well, it's, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Well, you have to create product that the maximum number of people will find appealing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, how do you do that? <laughs> well, you need to have something that incorporates their perspective, their culture, their viewpoints, all that sort of stuff. So they'll go, yeah, whether you're a farmer in Kentucky or an inner city person in um, I don't know, pick a European city yeah. <laughs> or here in Washington. What is it? Now, WhatsApp might be that. Everybody in the world wants to communicate, mm-hmm. preferably for free. <laughs> you know? And mm-hmm. TikTok, everybody wants to, everyone's a voyeur and everyone's an exhibitionist.
0: And a dancer, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems to be a
1: universal thing. So they're they're winning big, mm-hmm. right? So diversity of experiences brings you more market because it's like, yeah, I want to have the perspectives of the farmer in Kenya as well as the, the suit in New York yes right, to get my total addressable market. If I don't and I just hire a bunch of MIT grads, sit them down in Redmond, Washington and say, code me up something that farmers in Kenya will love. I don't right. think so. <laughs> well,
0: <not> <laughs> they haven't sat over in their shoes. Yeah. No, so. There's no empathy. <laughs> right.
1: You, you can't relate. So you cannot possibly just say we're going to hire the best people and they'll just figure it out. Yeah. It's like, mm, probably not. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> they just lack the experience. That's all there is to it.
0: And, and even you know that some of that perspective. I, I work in right. performance consulting in a tech company. you know I work at Palo Alto Networks and cybersecurity. And I always look at our divisions and departments like you know a football team or a basketball team where everyone has a role and everyone's speaking the same language. And everyone's aligned to the same, you know, vision and, you know, winning the game. But, you know, you couldn't do that with having a team of 70 quarterbacks. So I always right. try to look at the people in the seats. Everyone has the voice and a perspective that we should listen to.
1: Yeah, that's the magic for me is the inclusion and the diversity of perspectives is just required. Yes. You know? And if you cannot figure out how to do that as a company, you're just going to be behind because other people are going to figure it out. And since we're all working on world stages, it's like, they're going to win and you're not. <laughs> it's as simple as that.
0: <laughs> right, yeah, winning, you know, whether it's business, community, all of those things. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about equity Since we're on the idea of diversity, inclusion, equity, you have this great phrase that you've come up with with equity. So talk a little bit yeah. about that and your perspective of, of what that looks like in the world for anyone with diverse inclusion backgrounds.
1: Yeah, equity is, uh, with my way of of Consolidate in my own mind what it is my mission is, right? Mm. Going forward for the rest of my life. Yeah. And succinctly, it's I recognize that for myself, I have an equity share in technology. Mm. I have stock in Microsoft, right? Mm -hmm. So as Microsoft becomes a bigger company, I become wealthy.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm
1: sharing in the growth of the wealth based on technology. Mm -hmm. And I just point out to people that. Owning an iPhone is not the same as owning a piece of Apple stock. Yes. Right? When you own an iPhone, you own a piece of technology. Mm-hmm. You don't own anything in terms of the equity in technology. Mm-hmm. When you own Apple stock, you own equity. So as Apple rises and they're the biggest highest valued company in the world, your wealth is going to increase, right? Uh, yes. I think this is a critical component for particularly for minorities and women who are typically disadvantaged in terms of wealth mm. and inter- uh, intergenerational wealth, is to say, yes, get the big paycheck, um, but it's not enough. You need equity in assets that are growing. So mm. as the economy grows in that area, you too grow and your children's lives grow and, and on and on, right? Right. That's intergenerational right. wealth. If you only have a good paycheck, once that stops, that's it. Yeah, and the rest of your family and your community are left with nothing. So, I just identified as a key component for my black community is to say you need equity, and we're going to do that through technology because that's what I know.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: There's other ways of, of having equity and things, so that that doesn't mean we all have to become multi billionaires, but it has to be a component of our, our economic mix, mm-hmm. right. And right now it's, it's not, you, know, okay. you don't see a lot of black tech firms being built and bought and you know, millionaires being made and we can be
0: right. Right. Yes.
1: <laughs> I mean, we can be, so you, you need people like myself who've been in tech and say, let's go start more black owned tech companies <laughs> mm-hmm. so that we can build our own equity through our own intelligence or get purchased by other companies, whatever, let's get in the game. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and the game is equity.
0: That's tremendous. And, you know, looking at even your career before Microsoft, that you're an entrepreneur, and now you're being. What we call an entrepreneur, where you're creating these programs to build out and create more equity for yourself and others. Speak a little bit about what people can learn from, you know, taking the chance of being an entrepreneur within the corporate world. I know we have a lot of people that that work for organizations right now. So I thought that was such a profound way of looking at it. Like I'm an entrepreneur within this company and, and talking about that equity.
1: Yeah, the entrepreneur thing is uh, can be quite challenging depending on the, the nature of your company, right? Mm-hmm. I think I've been fortunate enough that Microsoft's culture has encouraged me to do the things I do. Mm-hmm. Now, encourage might be a strong word because it's like, well, did they actively encourage me or did they just not kick me out, right? <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> I love but that. The,
1: <laughs> but the truth is I've been able to explore various entrepreneurial things inside the company. Now it's a combination of you have to have some credibility, right? I mean, I've right. been there twenty four years. It's I didn't just stand up one day and say I'm doing leap. You know, yeah. So yeah. I, I had already delivered software a thousand times, built teams. It's all internal product, so mm-hmm. I've, I've done a lot of internal product. Like the very first thing I worked on was this thing called XML, mm. which back in the day was it's like saying HTML. It's just one ah, of those fundamental yeah. core things that no one really knows about, but there it is. <laughs> so, and I've done two or three things like that, where it's like, oh, that's a core thing that everyone uses now. Mm-hmm. So you had to have some credibility and you had to have a, a strong sense of your own mission, right? Mm-hmm. Like let's use uh, even me going to India as an example. I took a trip 2005, end of 2005, I went to both India and China. Mm-hmm. And these are places where we were growing development centers. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was originally going to go and do uh, stuff in China. But then the India guys said, oh, we really want you to come here. Okay. (laughs) My direct boss at that time told me, oh, I don't, you know, it's not like you're really going to succeed there. Mm. I was like, thanks, boss. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And I bring that up to say, you have to have your own internal compass and mission, Mm. right? Because you'll get this, you know, either your direct boss or someone out there's plenty of naysayers who would want you to fail yes. mm-hmm. because you succeeding kind of makes them look bad. <laughs> so, right. Right.
0: <laughs> yes. That's why I love your mindset.
1: Yeah. I mean, you have to have your own compass and drive and mm-hmm. reason for doing things um, because even with leap uh, in the earliest days, there are plenty of detractors. There are plenty of people who wanted us to just kind of disappear because we're solving a problem that they couldn't solve for 10, 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, well, how come you guys couldn't have done this a long time ago? So, so, you know, it, it's hard because people are detractors, but you have to have a strong mission and you have to have solid support. Mm. Right. That VP that, that put me down that path in the first place, he stood up to his peers, And Because they're like, oh, you're going to keep paying this guy. He's not doing engineering. And he (laughs) said, I'm paying for this because Mm -hmm. this is what needs to be done. (laughs) Right?
0: Yes. Uh So he,
1: without that support, I wouldn't have been able to do it because they would have said, okay, you're done. Go look for another job. (sighs) So it takes support of somebody who's powerful enough to shield you, if if you will, so that you can do the thing that you're going to do because it's off the beaten path. Right?
0: Right. Yes. I I love that story. And also having at least one person in your corner that that sees the vision the same way you do especially when you're taking big chances like you have so you know being a leader and being a visionary i have a two questions in one how has your leadership changed over the years you know being in technology and then where do you see creating the work culture that you have just even in 10 years where do you see it in the future so a little bit about your leadership and the culture that we're creating in organizations and outside
1: Okay. My leadership has changed over the years. The easiest explanation is Samuel L. Jackson turns into Yoda.
0: Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> That's the saying, easiest great. Explanation.
1: <laughs> and I would say about 20 years ago, I read a book called Ants at Work. Ooh, okay. And it describes how ant colonies operate, mm, you know, mm-hmm. and it's this distributed management thing. You know, many people think, Oh, the queen sits in the middle and tells everyone what to do. It's like, no, nope, it doesn't work like that at all. Mm. You know, it's completely distributed and there's some specialization, mm-hmm. you know, just like with us humans, but for the most part, the ants run around and they use various signals to say, Oh, looks like the, the ant hill needs to be fixed up. I'm going to do that because no one's doing that right now. And, so I tried this. This uh, in general, the style of like, well, you're all capable. So here's the work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. I have some guidance, but I'm going to depend on you to figure out how to get this work done.
0: Oh, right? Great. Mm-hmm.
1: Because I, you know, I, I don't like the style of centralized control. I'm not a micromanager, mm-hmm. perhaps to a fault. But I, I assume that it's like, well, you are an adult. We're paying you a lot of money. You're supposed to be good. It's <laughs> foolish for me to treat you like you don't know how to do your job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And I'm not going to maximize the benefit to the company of having you if I try to do everyone's work. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so I, I'm like that. And I'm also, uh, as a, when I'm a manager, I manage. And manage is about hands-on. Meaning mm-hmm. I'm here to help you. I'm not here to take credit. For what you do, that's silly. Right. <laughs> and a lot of uh younger managers try to do that, right? They mm-hmm. manage up, right? It's like, how do I look to the bosses? That's what they're concerned about. Well, I'm way past that phase. So I, <laughs> I, I don't do that as much. What I care most about is the people and making sure they get elevated and mm. the career growth and development
0: and stuff like that. Oh, just incredible. Incredible.
1: Yeah, and then the last thing I bring to the table is like, I've had 35 plus years of engineering experience. Mm. I have a lot to teach. So I try <laughs> to impart that in a, not a paternalistic way, but as in just a humble, like, hey, you know, here's some stuff that you might want to know because this pattern looks like that pattern over there that I've seen for the last 20 years, mm. you know, so mm-hmm. I try to impart knowledge.
0: Right, right. Yes. You've been it. there. <laughs> And then the second piece of the question, you know, where do you see organizational culture growing in the next, you know, now that we're going through the pandemic and working from home? And then how does that kind of, you know, open up into, you know, our communities and our, you know, just life culture?
1: Yeah, there's a a paper I wrote in 2018, I think it was, it was called Workforce 2050,
0: Ooh! And okay.
1: This is, this is pre-pandemic, where <laughs> I was trying, and I was working in the office of the CTO, mm-hmm. and I was trying to lay out what does the workforce look like in 2050.
0: Wow. <laughs> right? Okay. We're Even just, further out than I was looking. Far out, right? I, I said he's a visionary. Everyone listening, so there you go. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, what does it look like in
0: 2050? And I was doing that because
1: I was trying to tell the company if it looks like that by 2050. What do we have to do today to prepare for this transition? Mm, right? mm-hmm. Because you can be pretty darn sure it's not going to look the same as it does today.
0: Mm, right. Mm-hmm.
1: As of 2018. Mm-hmm. And I recognize things like this whole gig economy thing. It's not in the one sense, the gig economy is kind of bad because it's it's really about not having single sources of income that are adequate enough. Mm, uh, so yeah. you have to have multiple sources of income. But the other thing it recognizes is that people are just willing to work in different dynamics, Mm -hmm. right? And that will force us to have different setups. So we still have Upworks, for example, Mm -hmm. which is one of those places where you can go and sign up and say, I know how to write code and you can get jobs ad hoc. Uh I said, that's going to happen more frequently. And you're going to have teams of people who get together to do ad hoc things, Mm -hmm. And a company like a Microsoft won't be so much about we have fifty thousand employee engineers, but we have the center. We have a big pot of resources, and we farm out stuff. Oh, yes. And we're going to farm out to these groups, you Mm. know, that come together, do something, and disband.
0: Yes, Mm -hmm. that's going to
1: be more common. And we're and and then the
0: pandemic came. Yeah, and it's like we all went. You you were ahead of the game, way ahead right. of the game. Yeah, it's like oh,
1: it's not twenty fifty; it's more like twenty thirty. Right. Yes. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> From the inside outwards. Yes. Yeah.
1: And the, so that's a cultural sort of thing, and a structural thing, and a business sort of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. The other aspect of it, more around the technology itself, is okay. AI is, and however you want to define that. The machine, Mm -hmm. broadly speaking, (laughs) is going to be more integral to our programming process. Mm. So it's a steady march. It's not like there's a single point in time where suddenly the machine will start programming. It's like the machine already programs today. (laughs) There's a lot the machine already does. It's just been Mm -hmm. a slow, steady growth, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So What is our place as humans going to be in 2030, 2040? Mm -hmm. It's not going to be about slamming keys on a keyboard. Mm -hmm. It's like we're already moving past that. Yes. The machine can do that. What our value is going to be is to inform the machine to work for us. Mm. Right. I need more. And this is where inclusion is even more important. I need Mm -hmm. philosophers. I need mm-hmm. ethicists. I need data scientists. Yeah, today. <laughs> Pretty soon not. You won't even need that. But I need people who can work with the machine, say, hey, machine, this is how you serve us. Here's what we care about. This is what's important. This is this is how we de things, Ugh, right? Because yes. without us or, or because of us, the machine left to its own devices will create systems that are hyper-biased, Based on past data,
0: right. So racism yes.
1: gets amplified, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So we have to have the humans in the loop to say, "Yeah, racism is not good. <laughs> this is how, yes. this is how you take this input I'm giving you now to de bias things so that they're more equitable. We have to teach the machine equity, fairness." you know all these things right
0: uh, wow yes
1: so this is this is how i see the future unfolding and and i i laid it out as 2050 i think that's still appropriate but it'll just be a little accelerated so mm. i was wrong <laughs> <laughs> it's more like 2040 right the vision that i laid out in that particular document i think is more 2040 than 2050 cuz i didn't anticipate The pandemic, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which which accelerated the distribution of work thing. Mm -hmm. But all these other things are still true. AI is still marching slowly along. We still need these people to be in the loop in terms of training the machine. So. That's what I see
0: <laughs> uh, William that was so profound. I felt like I got insights right here just talking one-on-one with you but I know that that you know people are going to be rewinding the podcast to hear that vision because it's so true we need to inform the machine of, of what we need you right. know and coming from the future not from the past and have the past amplified right future amplified. I absolutely love that And we're about ready to wrap up but the intention of the show is, Discovering what ignites people to be bigger than themselves. And I can, you know, everyone that's listening, your whole life is an example of that. And you're still doing more things even yeah. after even after everything you've already shared. So let's talk a little bit about the event and Cruise On Global and all these other philanthropic endeavors that you're up to, you know, always setting yourself out into the future and giving back and building community.
1: Yeah, where to start? So. <laughs> I think it was started about a year ago or, or, well, during the pandemic. So post George Floyd, I had an epiphany and awakening. I mean, I'm always waking up. It's like, when am I ever actually awake?
0: Oh, I love (laughs) that. What a great quote. We're always waking up. (laughs) Yeah, I keep waking up
1: to a new reality every day. Mm -hmm. And uh, post George Floyd, I just kind of looked at my own situation. It's like, all right, am I going to go out on the streets and protest? No, that's not my style. Mm -hmm. But here I sit and I've accumulated my little treasure and I've had this career and, you know, I'm nearing the point where I can just say, okay, time for retirement and let's just go hang out. But I thought, no, that's not right. What, what I felt like doing was saying, all right, let's take some of this treasure. How can I amplify it? How can I get more people to a better state,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Right. And this is where the birth of that word tech equity came from. Yeah, because I was just trying to, I'm just trying to figure out like, what what am I about? Do I just hand out hundred dollar bills to everyone I see, <laughs> or do I mm. go run soup kitchens? What is it that I can do because of my 35 plus years in tech, mm-hmm. specifically, right? And then I started thinking about um, community growth and development and hackathons and self-determination and all these things. And that's where the event came from. Mm. And the event is very specifically about going into a community and helping them learn how to solve hard problems on their own and not Mm. sitting, waiting for someone to come and solve it for them. Right. Right. Yes. And also bringing resources in terms of like, Hey, I know you guys are trying to solve a waste management problem here locally but you don't know any experts in waste management, I can connect to people that are experts in waste management Mm. and I can bring them to the table. Mm -hmm. And they'll even be willing to do a hackathon with you to come up with solutions that you then own, Mm -hmm. right? That's what the event is about, is just bringing communities together with resources that are outside their community that they just don't know have access to,
0: right? Right, incredible incredible uh,
1: that's the key thing there uh cruising global is is uh i went to the caribbean last year the caribbean u.s virgin islands specifically yes. mm-hmm. and we're talking as microsoft talking with the government and education all this to say i don't see why we can't have developers here you guys are intelligent and this is around the whole caribbean region right from 40 million people it's like, well, let's let's get started. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm going to bring Microsoft, and so we're doing that. But Crucian Global is my own personal venture in the islands to say I'm invested here because I believe in the people here, and I believe in my African American roots are through mm-hmm. the Caribbean and places like that. So I want to invest personally in that community and doing startups and and whatnot. And so I created my own business. And I actually have an office there and it dovetails with their desire to train the people up in tech. So it's like, Hey, let me help these young people get some drones so they can fly with the island and do a 3d map of the island Ugh. so they can create a 3d experience for the tourists that are coming. Mm. Right. And they can sell that to the tourist board or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's it's to do stuff like that, where it's like, it doesn't take much. It takes a little bit of resources and belief and experience to say, I believe you guys can do this, let me help you out. And it's like, yeah, and once you do it once, then they're like, hey, we can do this, and here's the next idea, and here's the next idea, mm. right? So that's that's what all of that is about is like, I just want to leverage all that I've learned and all the connections that I have to have positive outcomes, uh. right, in lots of different areas.
0: Oh, wow. It's it's absolutely incredible. You've, you've used the word amplify a couple of times in here, and, and it's like you're always waking up, you're always growing, and you're amplifying your vibration of goodness and your resources out into the world yeah. that are only going to continue to grow those waves bigger and bigger and bigger. It's right. such an awesome journey, and I'm so thankful that I'm able to meet you and share your story with some of the people in my community. So... William, where can people find you and support all that you're doing out here in the world?
1: I do have a website now. So william-a-adams.com.
0: Okay, great. And any social media in particular that you want them to follow?
1: Yeah, it's on my on the website and I'm on Twitter and I'm on LinkedIn. Mostly I've been sending things out on Twitter, not so much on LinkedIn, but like that. Okay. It'll grow over time.
0: <laughs> All right. And we'll put everything in the show notes too. So everyone can follow, find you, and then, you know, possibly get involved with something like the event or cruising global, because once you learn about something, you're only one or two degrees away from someone else that can help build something, you know, right. bigger than you. It, it's so funny how that works out.
1: Yeah, it's not that hard.
0: Any last comments for you, William, before we sign off?
1: My universal comment is, hey, everybody, let's be more humane.
0: <laughs> oh, you can't beat that. You can't beat that. Well, thank you so much for being on the Get Busy In podcast. This was just an incredible conversation to be able to share all that you've done, all your experiences, all of your mindsets of growing the world and making it a more of a humane place.
1: Yeah, that's very good for me. Thanks.
0: Well, thank you so much for listening to our conversation. If you have a GBL story in your life, share it with me on Instagram at getbusylivin underscore pod. I might just share your story on a future episode. Thank you for sharing in the good vibes and giving back and GBLing with us.